So it's the time now for us to train in samadhi in order to bring our minds to peace. So what we mean by samadhi is a firmness of heart that we keep the mind firmly established in one single thing. So we see in our lives that no matter what we do, whether it's uh, studies, whether it's uh, occupation, we need to have samadhi in that thing. That when we're studying, we need to have our minds uh, firmly settled in that. Or for monks who are studying the scriptures, studying the suttas, the vinaya, the abhidhamma, they need samadhi. And for the laity, when the studies and also going to work, in order to meet with success, you need to have samadhi to one degree in that. And uh, so this firmness of mind, what we call samadhi, it's an energy that's very important. And uh, no matter what we're doing, whether we're standing, sitting, walking, lying down, then we have uh, a knowing there. We're aware of what we're doing. So like when we sit here, then we can recollect the breath, the in-breath, the out-breath. With the in-breath, we can recite Bud, and with the out-death, Do. And so we know there, um, and we can have our mindfulness established at different points, the tip of the nose, for example, or for some people, the feeling of the stomach as it uh, goes uh, in and out. So we have a mindfulness there at one place, knowing what's going on there. And as we do that, then the feeling, the thoughts and the proliferations in the mind will reduce. Because normally our minds are always thinking, they're never still, they're always moving. And if we don't come to uh, train the mind, then that's just what they'll do. And even if we're not doing anything, if we're just sitting still, then the mind will think about something, go to the past or go to the future. And, uh, and if it goes off to uh, the past, what often happens is that it will recollect something that uh, makes it feel sad, that a memory will come up, and oftentimes quite a, a sad memory from our childhood, for instance. And if this happens more and more frequently, then the mind can get depressed. So the Buddha said that we shouldn't think about the past with grief. And uh, we shouldn't speculate about the future either. Uh, not speculate about things that haven't yet arrived. Uh, but what we need to do is try to train our minds to be here in the present moment. And it's normal that when the mind recollects something from the past, it's not something that brings us ease, that makes us feel happy. It's often something that makes us feel unhappy. These painful, painful childhood memories, for instance, that the mind will dig these up and think about them, go through them. And uh, there's always a sense of self there, me and mine, in the present moment, like this body that we had in the past, um, that we take, we still take that uh, to be me, and uh, it's continued to this present moment. So we get the feeling that this body in the past was me, and um, and it's always been me, ever since it was a child, and then it grows up. It's always me continuously, 
and also the body that we'll have in the future, that will be me as well. And then there can be anxiety and worries about this, fear, uh, because we see that these bodies, sankharas, are of the nature to deteriorate. And so we can start worrying, well, when I get old, what is that going to be like? When I get sick, then who's going to take care of me? And suffering can arise about the future, but the suffering occurs here in the present moment. So the Buddha taught for us to recollect an object in this present moment, an object that will make our minds feel easeful and peaceful. So for the monks, uh, we're taught these five meditation objects of hair of the head, hair of the body, the nails, the teeth, the skin. Some people, however, like to go through the words Buddha, Dhammo, Sangha. So as meditation monks, we need to be meditating. We need to have our meditation objects with us, no matter what posture we're in, to always be cautious, to be restrained, and to have a mind that's cautious and restrained as well, and to have a mindfulness here looking right at our hearts, knowing if the mind is proliferating, if it's thinking. If it starts going off into the future a lot, then we can recollect that this life is not sure. So we have seen and probably know some people who like to think about the future a lot, but they died before the things that they were thinking about, that they were speculating about, ever ended up by happening. Maybe they suddenly got a heart attack and passed away. Or perhaps there's someone who went in for minor surgery, just over a sports injury, and they, maybe they broke some bones and had this minor surgery, but during that surgery they had a heart attack and they died. And this does happen to people, these things are not sure. So we should think about this, think that about our death, think that life is not sure, and this works to stop the proliferation of the mind. If we think about the past, then we should see that the past is something insubstantial. It doesn't have any meaning, any essence to it. We shouldn't fixate upon it. It's something that is not sure as well. And we bring our minds here to the present moment. So we do need to train our minds, because if we don't, they'll always be running after their moods, their sense impressions like this. But when we come to train the mind, um, then we bring it to be with just one object, and uh, we make it more intelligent. And so we can bring it to this object of Buddha, for example. And uh, we can do this in conjunction with the breath, but for some people they have difficulties watching their breath, so they can just ignore the breath and just recite Buddha, Dhammo, Sangha by itself. And through doing this, then the mind steadily becomes more and more peaceful. So if we can maintain our mindfulness continuously in this way, and then the heart will turn peaceful and the proliferation or the thinking will reduce. And in its place, the mind will become full, it will become joyful. And so it's important that we understand that all of this thinking that goes on it saps the energy out of our hearts. And if we think constantly throughout the day, then the mind is really lacking energy. It doesn't have any real peace to it. So this is why the Buddha had us train in mindfulness, 
making our minds well established in samadhi so that peace can come up, so that we can get this joy in the heart, this feeling of contentment within our minds. And so this joy can manifest in different ways in the body. Our hair can stand on end, tears can start flowing, the body can feel like it's growing and uh, becoming very large and spacious. There are many different physical manifestations. And perhaps we lose all feeling or sensation in our hands or in our feet. Or maybe half of the body feels like it's disappeared or perhaps the whole of the body disappears. And we feel like it's just emptiness sitting in midair. And here there's a great ease and lightness to the mind. It feels very radiant. And so this feeling that we always have about this body, that it's me and mine, is because we're always experiencing sensations of this body. So there's attachment that arises. But if the mind can get into this deep samadhi, then it's able to separate that out because there isn't any feeling of a body being there. So we're able to put down the attachment that we have to the body temporarily, and this is due to samadhi. This, however, is a piece of mind, but it's not a piece of the defilements. It doesn't get rid of the defilements, but it is the path that leads us in that direction. And so when we train our minds to get in samadhi in this way, then we can use that energy and that firmness to contemplate the truth that the Buddha taught which was that all physicality and all mentality is unstable, is stressful, is not self. But it's just that when the mind isn't peaceful, that if we try to tell it this, it won't listen. And why is that? It's because of all the delusion, the darkness that is there in the mind. It's a habit of our hearts to be dark. And so there's always this feeling in the mind of me and mine. It's there constantly. And it's been there for a huge number of lifetimes, to the point that we just can't count them. But we don't need to go that far back. We can look here in this present lifetime, that just in the space of one single day, uh, that our eyes see so many forms. And every time this happens, there's a feeling of me that arises. Whenever uh, sounds come into the ear, or we experience odors, or uh, tastes, or touch, or there's a thought that comes into the mind, then there's also a me that comes up alongside that. And so just within this life, there are so many times that we are born. And sometimes memories arise as well. So there's a memory of uh, this person's name being such and such, or we remember uh, this, that person, this animal. And then feelings come up in the mind. If we remember someone that we like, then we feel happy. If we remember someone we dislike, then we feel annoyed or averse. And we don't want to meet with them. And so these memories coming up, um, the memories that have been there in the past, or some memories that we will experience in the future, these are things that all arise and cease. And also the memories, the perceptions that are happening right now, these are arising and ceasing right now. 
And so that which has passed already has arisen and ceased already. The memories coming up now are arising and ceasing, and the memories that we'll experience in the future will arise and will cease. And so we see that all um, form, all feeling, all memory, all sankharas, all thoughts, all proliferation, all sense consciousness, um, that which we experienced in the past has all arisen and ceased already. That which we are experiencing in the present moment is arising and ceasing. And that which we will experience in the future will arise and cease in the future. So when our minds are in samadhi, when they're collected, then we can contemplate to see that in truth there isn't an us or a them within any of this. All of it is anatta, all of it is empty, all of it is the Buddha, all of it has this nature of awakening. But it's these habits that have been in control of the mind, that have been teaching the mind for so long that there is actually a self there. And this is what causes us to die. And that this upadana, this clinging, is what causes suffering to arise. So for us, we should build up a lot of goodness, a lot of merit, be very generous, help out in our society. And all of this is uh, merit. And for those who have barami, who have this spiritual maturity, then it's easy for them to cultivate merit. They have the faith in this and they can do it consistently. They see people who are going through difficulty and they just want to help them out. And so, and also for all the lay people who come and support the Buddhist religion in many different ways, giving offerings of the four requisites. And also those who help to spread the Dhamma, to spread these teachings of truth. Those who help out monks who are ill, or help to build monasteries, build uh, meditation halls, places where people can practice. These are all things that we do regularly. And uh, so when we do this, then what we're doing is we're, we're following our faith. And uh, for those who have just a little bit to offer, then they offer what they can in line with their means. But what's most important is that we give our offerings through faith. So we see that generosity that has morality uh, together with it is extremely beneficial. Even though it brings this great benefit, still we have suffering in our hearts, however. We still have all this anger, all this fear, all this hate, all this love. And if we have a lot of wealth, then that can relieve our suffering, one kind of suffering, and that we don't experience lack in our lives. But it brings up another kind of suffering, which is fear that we'll lose that wealth. And so this practice of bringing about samadhi, and uh, what we gain from that is a foundation to contemplate that will give rise to wisdom. Because our minds have been deluded for so long, they've had these defilements there within them, training them, making them constantly confused. And so the samadhi is something very important. 
the Buddha, he was able to purify his own mind through the highest wisdom that he had. And also through his great compassion, he went out to teach the methods for us to destroy the defilements in our heart. And if the Buddha was able to destroy these defilements himself, then he would have done that already because he had such great love for us, such profound compassion for us. Uh, but these defilements within our hearts, they're not something that anyone else is able to distract, to extract. It needs to be uh, that person who takes those defilements out. So like in the present day and age, we can see that all the different bits of technology we have are phones. They have a password that is protecting them. And these defilements, they also have their own password. And they bind over our hearts and make them suffer. And, uh, because we attach to these things and uh, we see that uh, the mind and the defilements are one and the same thing. Even though that's not actually true, they're not the same, but we take it to be that way. And uh, this is because um, even though there are spaces in the mind uh, between when we experience sense objects, between when greed, hatred and delusion arises, uh, those spaces are so small. In those spaces we're able to see our original mind but because these sense objects um, are constantly bombarding the heart uh, with such frequency, we're not able to see in between those gaps. So what we need to do is to bring our minds to calm, into samadhi, in order to see that original mind. See the mind that is bright there within the state of samadhi. And then we have the energy to contemplate contemplate into physicality, into this form, into feelings, into perceptions, into uh, thoughts, and into sense consciousness, in order to understand them with clarity. When the mind is peaceful, then it gains this important energy that we can rely upon. And also what we need to depend upon is our faith as well. And when we, whether we have a lot of faith or a little faith, then we use what we have. We see the danger in all of these sense impressions. Um, and through that, we give rise to effort, to practice. So we need to train to be able to see the Dhamma, so that we can reach the Dhamma. And all of us, we do have this faith. And uh, we have faith in the Buddha. And if we heard that the Buddha was here in this world, and he was one million kilometers away from us, we would do all we could to get to him, to reach him, to pay respects to him. Just like how nowadays people go to India uh, to pay respects to the places where the Buddha was born, where he was uh, enlightened, where he first taught and where he passed away. But if we knew that the Buddha was actually there in India, then we would do all we could to get there no matter how much difficulty, no matter how much suffering we had to go through, even if it would cause us to die, we would still feel like we had to go to pay respects to the Buddha. But really, the Buddha is in front of us right now. He's right close to us. He's right next by. So we don't need to travel far away. 
It's just that we don't see him. So the Buddha said, if you don't see me, then what you need to do is be generous. You need to be firm in virtue, and then you'll see me. You need to cultivate mindfulness. You need to develop samadhi. A good way of doing this is through chanting, through recollecting the virtues of the Buddha. Chanting Itibiso 108 times. We do this many, many times. And this is a form of recollecting the qualities of the Buddha. And as we recollect these qualities, then the Buddha becomes closer and closer to us. And we have more and more faith. And so we go to practice more, to meditate more, to bring our minds more and more peaceful. And as we do that, then we get ever closer to the Buddha, that he's not far away. He's not a million kilometers away from us. He's right by. He's right here now. It's just that we need to get our minds to reach the Buddha, to be able to see the Buddha, to touch him. That we're not able to see him now is because there are things there obstructing him. All this franticness of our minds, all this proliferation, the mind is so unsettled, the doubts there, and uh, the lust that we have for the things of this world, the aversion that we gain towards things, the drowsiness in the mind, these are all things that prevent samadhi from arising. So we need to train these minds and do this together to train the mind to come to peace. And whether it's a lot of peace or a little bit of peace, um, still, when we gain that, then we also gain an understanding of the benefits, the kind of happiness that it brings us, that which we have never experienced before, the joy of samadhi, the coolness that we feel, the ease that we feel in our hearts, the emptiness. And all of us practitioners, we've all probably experienced this to one level or another, uh, this quality of samadhi, So there's the quality of mindfulness, the quality of samadhi. And before that, in the beginning, we focus on these qualities of generosity and of virtue. And then we come to train in meditation to bring about these qualities of samadhi and mindfulness, sati, uh, which in turn leads to the quality of wisdom. Uh, Because it's the stilled mind that is able to experience and see the nature of Dhamma arise within it. To see in truth that the things that we once took to be me are actually not me. The things that we've been deluded in for such a long time now, that we've taken to be a self, are actually not self. And this is where wisdom arises. And seeing that this body is just elements that followed nature. And this uh, insight happens little by little. We see into the nature of the Dhamma, and we see this occur for us with clarity in all the things that we once attached to. And here we see that the Buddha does actually exist. He is real. And the Buddha taught us like this, so we practice following his teachings, and then we'll see in line with what he taught. And we won't doubt because we see these things for ourselves within our own hearts, that there's this uh, radiance in the mind. We see the Buddha there within our own heart. And uh, when we gain this wisdom, then vimuti, freedom, comes up, and we gain liberation from our attachments. And even though this is just temporarily, uh, as we carry on bringing up these temporary moments or experiences of liberation, Uh, the energy of our heart will increase. 
And so we gain this energy of, or we have this energy of faith, the energy of effort. And these two qualities uh, bind up and uh, work together, connect up. The energies of faith, of effort, of mindfulness, of samadhi and of wisdom. And these all circle around and work together. And uh, at this point we'll see the Dhamma clearly. We'll gain real knowledge for ourselves that all these things, that all the qualities that, gain, that lead us to gain clear insight will come together uh, in the heart. And uh, whether it's sitting meditation or walking meditation, we won't have to force ourselves, but the mind will just want to do it. Uh, because this joy of heart will be there nourishing our minds. Um, the firmness of heart will be there, um, relieving all our doubts. And uh, so all the things that we attached to before, we're able to see that they're empty. They don't actually have a me or a mind there within them. There's no being, there's no self, there's no other. And if we follow the scriptural knowledge or the theory, then that's how they teach, that the body is just a body. Feelings are just feelings. And we see things like this. And there's this nature or this knowing that comes up but we also don't attach to that knowing as I am the one that knows, but we let go of that knowing as well, let that follow its own nature. And the mind here puts everything down, it puts the defilements down, and peace arises, this real peace that comes from the absence of defilements. And uh, we'll gain a true understanding into the nature of self, we'll see the true self, which is not-self. Uh, but before, we'd always taken things in terms of me and mine, that there, we'd understood that there was actually a self there, that I feel these things, I have these memories, I can recollect these different things. But we'll, when we practice, we gain the clear understanding that all of those feelings of me and mine are not actually there. And by doing this we see the Dhamma, we experience Nibbāna. So some people ask, is Nibbāna, is it a kind of becoming, is it a kind of birth? Well it's not, but it does exist, it is real. So if we contemplate already and uh, see into the nature of emptiness, um, then we see into Nibbāna, and our hearts become pure. And this arises through the wisdom that comes up, this wisdom that brings about liberation, freedom. The path that leads us there is that of dana, sila, bhavana, of generosity, of virtue, and of meditation. Or we could phrase it as virtue, uh, collectiveness of mind and wisdom. And this is the noble path. So we're all fortunate uh, in this country to have um, the monarchy that supports Buddhism. And all of the monarchs in the past, they have taken care of this Buddhist religion until uh, the present day and age. They're able to support it, and no other countries um, these days have that kind of support. And with that uh, support, then we're able to really give our efforts to this practice, that we have this opportunity, uh, because of all this great uh, assistance uh, that we've been given. 
So when things are like this, then we should put our efforts into walking this path of sila, samadhi, and panya. This path that will take us to knowing the Dhamma. That can change the state of our mind uh, from a mind that is thick with defilement to a mind that is good. And then on to a mind that is noble. And so may all of you uh, really train, put your efforts sincerely in this way. And even though it is something that's quite difficult, it's not beyond our efforts, beyond what we can achieve through our efforts. And just like how when we studied, when we were younger, and also in our work, we're able to succeed in those things. It's the same with our meditation. And if we have mindfulness a lot, if we keep that continuously, um, then samadhi will arise. And then we're able to contemplate continuously as well. So we should do this, always be contemplating, looking at this body and seeing it as being something stressful, as being unstable, as being not-self, something as being empty. And we can keep this emptiness as the object of our mind, which means that we have nibbana there as the object of our mind. A state where the mind isn't attached to anything, it's not involved with things. Because we see that whatever it is that we attach to will bring us suffering. So we teach our minds not to attach. Uh, Because if we do, then the stress immediately arises. And so the arahants are those who have put down all of the heavy burdens already. And these things which we pick up, which we shoulder, this this causes us suffering in this world. Uh, But if we can put it down, then we'll experience ease. So when we develop this path, when we cultivate goodness, we keep our virtue, then we're putting down these heavy burdens steadily and surely. We don't get so amused and distracted in the things of this world. And it's very, very difficult these days because it's so easy. In this day and age of social media and of technology, that it's so easy for us to waste a lot of our time. And, uh, and that's what happens when we use a lot of our time doing this. But instead we should use that time to develop our minds. We should use that time in a way that brings us benefit. So for people who keep the eight precepts, um, they are more able to do this because it's not uh, so... Kind of, there isn't so much opportunity to become amused in the things of this world. And in previous times we had to travel in order to meet with these forms of entertainment, but now we don't have to do that. It's right here in our hands due to this social media. So we should try to use this time to practice, uh, to be of benefit, <clears throat> to not waste our time. Um, Because there are so many things these days which can waste our time. And so like now I am 67 years old and uh, time has gone by very, very quickly. And if uh, all of us, if we lead, if we live to 100 years, we don't have very much time left. For me, I'm already past the halfway mark. And so time, it carries on going without stopping. And if we don't practice, then the defilements will be walking over us without stopping. So we do need to train ourselves to practice, to bring up our effort, and uh, to not be heedless 
in this life, in the life that we have, and not be heedless in our youth either, but rather to be firmly sincere. Um, that we walk this path of sila, samadhi, and banya, and this path is there available for us all. It just depends upon whether we are inspired or not to walk it. And we should see that in the future, these bodies will deteriorate, that they become very burdensome. So we need to prepare ourselves now to not be heedless, but to bring up our energy, our effort now, so that when the body does become ill, we'll have the energy there to practice, to be able to put the body down, to see it as being just a body. And it's not sure that maybe we might not see the Dhamma now, but perhaps just before we die, we may see the Dhamma then. But whatever the case, we should try to train ourselves now to see into our true self right now, which means that we see Nibbana, and we see the Buddha clearly within our own hearts. So may all of you be sincere to cultivate your minds in this way. <laughs>